I am unashamed. What about you? So we have a uh, special guest today in the uh, in the lair. Welcome, Sammy. To this, is, we call this the lair. This is the uh, <laughs> the lair, the unashamed lair, where we hang out and okay. uh, and talk about. Uh, well, we talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about Jace's stories and trips and, and musings. Uh, we talk about the Bible quite a bit as well. So, Sammy is uh, dad. Tell tell our folks. Sammy works with you over at uh, you and Mom over at University. What what? How, tell tell us about how all that. Well, works. he was there when we showed up over there. And uh, which has been what two years now? Three, yeah, yeah. two or three years now. <clears throat> Sammy's got a pretty good story to tell, in my humble opinion. But uh, I think probably it's better just let him do the talking. But uh, <laughs> he's a good brother, <laughs> he's a good brother, and I'm glad he's here. So he had been very helpful for us over there when we went to university, you know. Well, so it's a unique situation, Sam. We've talked about it before on, the, on our podcast because. You you rarely see churches tend to be in the South, I guess, or yeah. in Louisiana, tend to so, sort of self segregate. I mean, there tend to be white churches, or more yeah. predominantly white, or more predominantly black. But you guys are pretty much fifty fifty church, yeah. mixed with yep. everything. Yeah, which is really good. Yep. And then, way better. And you guys do a lot of you guys do some work with some homeless people and some people kind of are in that area. And you also have a boxing gym, which yeah, is I how I first heard about you because yep. my son-in-law was telling me about your boxing gym. So tell me, tell us what you do there. Yep. How um, you got started and converted and whatever, just just go with it. Well, I got arrested at the age of 17 years old, and I was sentenced to 25 years federal time and 30 years state. Uh, made some bad decisions and, uh, you know, I had to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And, and just during that time of me being incarcerated, you know, life change. You know, I was incarcerated for 22 years and just doing that journey of that time, you know, I had to learn a lot about myself, but during that process of learning about myself, you know, I had a few guys that, who really took interest in my well being because when you go to prison, you know, it's, it's, it's two ways in, you know, uh, you can come in and you can leave out, you know, dead, or you can leave out dead, you know, Alive, yeah. <laughs> or you can, you know, like that, so like you're right. You know, you can come in and and actually die in prison, or you can leave prison and still be dead and yeah. find yourself in a a cycle. Or yeah. you can come in and clean your life together and get your life together. But you know, just the the best thing that happened to me was, you know, I found God in all uh, in prison. Yep. And you know, it's a very unique, humble situation because. You know, a lot of times you hear the term, you know, jailhouse religion. However, you know, my God is real and my transition and my transformation is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been out of prison five years and I'm still on this train, you know, yeah. and I'm still following Christ, you know, and yeah. that, you know, and that's my source of power and that's my source of inspiration. But I had started boxing in prison because, you know, I was I was a fighter, you know, very aggressive young man, mm-hmm. you know, got arrested at the very age, young age. And I took a real great interest in boxing, but not just the competition level, but how the discipline of the sport had started to change the way that I thought and I move mm-hmm. inside of the prison because I was, you know, during that time I, I was transferred to multiple prisons, but I ain't found myself in Angola for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And in Angola, it's like a world. It's a 
society within a prison setting and it's you know over 5000 inmates so you're going to you're going to intermingle with so many different races so many different cultures so many different believers of whatever is out there mm-hmm. it and, almost seemed like when we were there you're right it was like it was like towns because yeah. you had the different camps, yeah, and then then you guys would cross paths, so it almost felt like you were as we were traveling around and going to different places. It was it was so spread out over mm-hmm. such a wide range, just like a yeah. series of towns. That's exactly what I felt like, like we were there, some yeah. kind of country, yeah, right? It's, it's definitely have it has so many different things that set up to where you can function as it functions as its own city. You know, right. it has a mail room, it has a a canteen where a canteen warehouse. It has a major kitchen and then it has like these small little outs camps of things that surrounded the main prison. So hmm. it's a it's a big cycle. And what most people know is that um the uh, New Orleans uh, Baptist Theological Seminary yeah. has a satellite there and they actually train guys to be preachers and yeah. pastors, and they they will plant churches in other prison systems yeah. out of Angola, which is incredible. I mean, yeah. it was it's a lot of great spiritual stuff. Is that. I mean, you think about prison, like you said, being yeah. a terrible place, but you know when God shows up, it, it can become it yeah, it can become a, a, an opportunity. You're still under lock and key, but you know you're free. Exactly, yeah. and it yeah. all. You know, when I went there in 1996, you know, it was making a transition up of a new warden. And he were a very strong ad- advocate of uh, New Orleans theology, uh, right. basic college in there. And one of one of my mentors was a guy who were a student. And he became a minister inside there. And, you know, once he did so many years, and he was transferred to another prison to assist that prison in planting churches inside of other prisons. So So now your 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 job now you're you're out of prison. Yeah. But you uh uh we got together, you and I, we talked about it. It was your idea about forming a uh what would you call it? Where a youth you, young program. young guys come in there, you know, I guess yeah. gals, women too. Yeah, is. we have a we have a couple of young ladies in there and they don't they so, don't so tell the audience what, yeah. what you do when you get up in the morning <laughs> You go down there in, in a neighborhood, yeah, pretty tough neighborhood, definitely. So y'all's goal, how do you how do you work it from there? Yeah, so uh, you know, I am a certified personal trainer, but you know, with me having the experience of boxing, I knew how boxing changed my life. So when I came to Monroe after being released, I saw that it wasn't a boxing facility in the city of Monroe. Mm-hmm. So you know, there was a great opportunity for me to not open open up. A business, but also to utilize that business as a ministry too, as well. Love it. And so, you know, when I first opened it, I really didn't have a lot of equipment in there. And you know, uh, Mr. Garden at the time was making a transition from not being a uh, Garden Dasher was making a transition of leaving the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And you know, he mentioned that Phil was coming over, and he mentioned that there would be someone I can talk to. And Phil and Miss K, you know. They supported me 100%, you know. But before Phil took over university, we had a conversation, me and him, him and Matt, at uh, Vice Fair Road one night. Remember that night? Yep. And, you know, he gave me his vision and direction of where we wanted to go. And, I mean, right now today, that vision has really opened up to the point where I was like, that conversation was talked about 
in the pr present time in the past. Yeah. It's yeah. like, this is what our vision is. And I was like, okay. But now I'm like, it's okay. happening. It's happening. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's been almost three years and it's yep. still going on. But also the mentoring program has sprouted mm. from that seed of everything that, you know, he supported me, but also the hard work and everything that all the other volunteers as well. And we deal with a lot of mentoring, mentoring a lot of kids. We have kids come in, we have kids that come out and we have kids that stay. So, you know, we utilize the skill of boxing as the tool to, you know, help them in their athletic, you know, uh, ability, but also, you know, we just want to be positive males in the, in the community, you know, yeah. because a lot of kids don't have males that they can talk to, whether they're a young lady or a young man. You know, right. I know I struggled. My dad was very supportive of everything I did, but he wasn't present because, you know, when him and my mom divorced, he moved away. Yep. And it was hard for me to have those conversations <laughs> when I needed it and then at present. Yeah. So now I understand where I struggle at and I can be more supportive to someone who may, I may see suffering or struggling in the same areas, you know, what I why I was going through at that time. Because so, you're gonna have plenty of bad influences. Yeah. You know, Satan's gonna plant opportunities to be bad role models everywhere. So you're right, it's rare yeah. then to have that person like you that comes in and says, Look, I, I can tell you where this is going. Yeah. You know, and and I love that you're using boxing you know, something physical to be able to get to something spiritual, you know, yeah. which is, which yeah. is important. Which and, is what all of us do. Right. Right. We use yeah. duck calls. I mean, I, I mean, I blow duck calls and people are like, what is that? Like, <laughs> so in the next few days, in the yeah. next few days, what's coming up that you would like to be in on? Yeah. Well, also, you know, with me utilizing the facility as, you know, my employment, which, you know, a lot of, I don't have a lot of income. So I, 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 I cook. I work, but I also, you know, look for ways I can utilize my talent. Mm -hmm. And it was a men's health. Men's health is hosting a, uh, a men's health cover. And it's uh, where people can come out and vote social media via social media. And it has a $20,000 uh, reward for the one to get the most votes. Mm -hmm. So I entered the contest and, you know, it's a battle, you know, and out of, out of, oh, it's a battle. <laughs> you have people all over the world that's entered, but. I have overcame the first two rounds and it's three more rounds, but every week it's elimination. So, you know, I'm just battling for it, but it, it would be definitely helpful for not only me to win that, but also some of that seed money, if I was the winner, would definitely go off into the program too mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So we so what what we're asking for is unashamed nation. We need you guys to engage and vote for Sammy. It's yeah. a, and it's, and it's uh, what's it? It's fitness. Uh, men's men's fitness. Men's fitness is yep. what's coming. We're going to put a banner on the screen to to tell you how to be able to do that, uh, to be able to vote for Sammy. You need to do it. Uh, this is releasing on Wednesday, and it needs to be before Thursday, yeah, right? Yeah, that, yep. It that has a deadline to, to uh, Thursday. Every Thursday's all uh, they count the votes and all. Uh, you know, it starts over new. Then, well, and what I like is that you know what God does through us despite our flaws and bad decisions yeah. is he breaks cycles. And uh, I did a little prison ministry for a couple of years. And when you said that about those guys who would, who would leave and come back, they were in that cycle. Yeah. And some of them, which we had a deal, like when you get out, come see me. I even had a few that it was like, meet me here. I mean, they're going to experience their new life and they'd never show. 
And then months later, I look up in, in our cell, you know, once a week, and here they come. I'm like, you're back. Yeah. Why didn't you meet me? And so that cycle's got to be broken. And then I think the same thing y'all are doing, you know, you and, you and Phil making an unlikely pair, I guess. Y'all yeah. y'all coming in, that's a just the visual of that is yeah. cool. Here, here are your mentors, right. uh, yeah. kids. But you're breaking that cycle in a tough neighborhood and giving people a positive role model, which you're then showing them the ultimate father yeah, who loves them and, uh, and is for them. So I just wanted to say we appreciate what you're doing well i'm sorry Simon, but you're doing a great job i man. love what you said you can there's two ways to leave you can die to yourself and be yeah. something new or you can just keep dying the rest of your life and that's yeah. what a lot of people unfortunately choose but you chose life or you can yeah. just die or you can just die and some yeah. people die in you yeah. die yeah. as a part of the process yeah. so what what sammy has done is taken an opportunity but I love it because you don't pay back, you pay forward. Yeah. And so when you're working with these young people, you're paying forward the grace of God. He he had grace in your life, and now you're paying that forward in other people's lives. Yeah, definitely. It's all, you know, a lot of people, you know, commend me and, you know, congratulate me on the progress of how far, you know, they see that I'd accomplish yeah. in such a short time. But... You know, and I honestly tell them, it's not me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is God working through me. That's right. Exactly. Because it's time I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know. can't do it. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I can't do it. You know, I mean, even when I was going through a process of, you know, trying to raise seed money to pay for that first six months of rent. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then personal things happen. I have to spend that money. And it's yeah. like. But it's only, you know, you know, our Lord and Savior working through me to do this here. And that's the right. only person I can get a glory to. Yesterday that's when right. we were, the day before yesterday, when we met with the brothers, the Apostle Paul said, I have learned. So it is a learning curve here. He said, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, second time he said that, the secret and it's a secret and a well-kept one. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or want. I do everything through him who gives us strength. And and Sam has proven, yeah. just stay the course and you'll be blessed. That's yeah. Philippians 4, 13. Yeah. You bet you. That's so, a good one. So Unashamed Nation, we need you guys to step up, vote for Sammy, uh, and we're going to hopefully have him win this competition, and yeah. we'll see where God definitely. takes it from there. Most definitely. Thank you, brother. Thank you for coming. Appreciate it. So uh, a question we ask a lot on this podcast uh, because of our sponsor, Home Title Lock, is can thieves really steal your home's title? Because obviously it's a thing. And so we have a, a thief that's actually going to tell you what he did. He, he stole over 150 homes. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison. So listen to this guy. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance for that. No, it's in my name. Or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, or done whatever I've done with it, it's 60 to 90 days to even figure out that they're the victim of this crime. You know, by that point, you start getting foreclosure notices, and you realize you've got four mortgages on your house. Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name.
So you hear that and you think, well, uh, it can happen. So HomeTitleLock.com is where you go. You register your address. You make sure you're not already a victim. You enter the, the code RADIO, HomeTitleLock.com, RADIO, and you get 30 free days of protection. So that's HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code RADIO. Yeah, that was really good, Dad. I, Sammy is a, you know, guys like like him are inspirational because so many people, you know, are eager to write people off. Yeah, you know, for for bad choices for but, whatever reason for whatever reason. And uh, and I, redemption, the the whole theme of the Bible is redemption, and people's lives being redeemed and then them finding purpose is powerful and. Yeah. Uh, I love it. You know, Sammy cooks a lot of food over there for, for, and gives it away. And, you know, to the people that come there and just, you know, he's just got a wonderful heart. So I'm glad to, that we're able to help. I thought of that passage in John eight, you know, it's an, it's an interesting thing in John eight, the famous verse that says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, which is John eight 32. But the previous verse in 31, it, he was addressing the Jews who had believed him. These were, they came up believing him. Yeah. And Jesus famously says, you'll know the truth and the truth sets you free. And they're like, what are you trying to say? Yeah. We're, we don't need to be free. And, and he later on says they're children of the devil. Yeah. But my point is, Jesus was saying, you can be locked up and, and out in the open. Yeah, and here was a man who was actually free when he was locked up. That is correct. Well, what is it? Galatians says the whole world's a prisoner of sin. Sin imprisons you. I mean, so whether you're incarcerated in an institution or not, if you're living a sinful life, you're incarcerated. One of the lines I used when I was went down to Angola a few times. One of the lines I used is, "Guys, I said you're never going back down that road you came in on." A lot of you, you're here. Seventy-five percent of the people in Angola will never leave it. Lifers. Lifers. I, I said, always remember this, though. Don't ever forget this. You can be under lock and key, which y'all are, but you can still be free. That's right. Even here. Yeah. I said, don't forget that. So they, the warden, told me later that that was piped into the death row people. Yeah. And he said a lot of them requested. Some of them came to Christ. Yeah, some of them came to Christ. Which is, I mean, they're going to, you know, their life. And the warden let them up to then before they wouldn't let you be baptized. Right. But they wanted to respond by faith to the gospel by being baptized in the local lake out there. You know, it's a swamp out in there. But, uh. Yeah. Mississippi River Delta, but but he allowed him to go down well, there. Sammy mentioned in the mid-90s, there was a warden named Burl Kane that came in, and he was there about 20 years. And he was a man of God and a visionary. And he took what was traditionally one of the one of the toughest, oh. ter- most terrible prisons in, in the, the U.S. You know, you looked around he when you were down in, there and you uh, could tell. Oh, yeah. And that's what those guys were telling us. They said, and we said, well, look, everybody seems so great here. And he said, well, you're only seeing the ones who are trying to do good. We, we, oh, yeah. The, look, the other ones, you're not seeing them. He said, there's some bad people in there. Oh, when know? I was did that two-year stint with that for that Bible study, yeah. I mean, multiple times my life was threatened. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, of course, I was like, well, I always came at it from a spiritual perspective because the only thing I had to fight with, because these boys worked out every day oh, and yeah. I didn't. And he was like, you know, I'll break you in half. I was like, yep. And then I'm going to be resurrected. Then what? Because, <laughs> I mean, you had to bow up 
to them, which they took that as a sign of strength. Jace was going and they'd be off. like, he's bluffing. He's bluffing. I said, I'm not bluffing. The power of God, the one in me is greater than the one that's under that you're under the control of. Yeah. But I had several times where it got loud, you know, and I mean, they're using four letter words and everything else. It's like we were fixed to fight, but I'm. I was coming at it 100% spiritual. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, just kill me. Yeah. And then I'm going to come back and rain terror <laughs> on this bunch. You but they, they were actually scared of that. Yeah. You know? It's, right. Because it's not it's a it's, strange phenomenon. It's not using the weapons of the world. When Paul said, you know, we, we demolish strongholds. Hey, it's one thing to read that. It's another thing to trust it when <laughs> there's no security. Because <laughs> the security, when they closed the door, I looked up and was like, Oh, you're not coming in there? And he was like, no. <laughs> you're on your own in there, buddy. <laughs> Good luck. So that scared me because I thought by the time I can get security in here, I'll be dead. <laughs> they built them. They allowed them to build themselves a little structure so they could meet with pews and well, they had some singers, amazingly. They were great. Good singers. Yeah. But, uh, we probably had about 800 people in the, in, oh, yeah. in the chapel. And I mean, it was exciting, Jason. You'd have loved it because I mean, those guys were—you talking about some serious. Some worship. are under lock yeah. and key, but they can still be free. Yeah. Well, a lot of people say, "Why do y'all do stuff like that?" But when everybody looks at our society, and you can point out the negatives, they're obvious. Yeah. And I mean, the world is literally upside down in a lot of a lot of ways. Yeah. But you think you know we introduced Jesus. Jesus can change the heart. And when you look at our crowded prisons and all that, I mean, there's there's a way. For healing to take place and transformation, and the best way to do it is change the heart. Right. And Jesus is the best at changing the heart of anything, regardless if people are believers or not. Yes, Just look at look at this guy. Twenty five years in a federal penitentiary, and he has been a not only stayed out of trouble, he's actually changing generations. He's a community in a, leader in a, in a terrible neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. When he came to me, he said, "I, I want to." start a boxing school and i said a boxing school i said well go for it and he said well he said <laughs> i need, need a little help getting off he the said, ground yeah. i need things like a ring a boxing yeah. ring yeah that they go to i said hmm i said what else and he said well, you know the, you know the, you hit the balls you know you got them things hanging tool, 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 tool. <laughs> he said you know you've seen these things hanging from the ceiling i said yeah i said i'll tell you what you do i said sammy you you, you go down there and you write down Every piece of equipment that you have to have. Now, the ones you don't have to have, don't worry about them. But what you have to have, start a boxing school. I said, write them down. Bring me that list. And I said, research it and find out how much it costs. Yep. And then you give it to me. And I said, we'll see what we can do. So that's what he did. And I looked down the list. There's a long list of all the stuff that goes into a boxing school. You know, mm -hmm. I said, the man wants to do that. He needs some help. So I just said, I'm here to help. Right. I said, order it. I said, send send the bill to me. Well, that was said, a good. Said, that was a good thing. I like yeah. that the boxing, which is what he. So did. it's really grown since then. Yeah. You know, a lot of young guys there and now that he has some some now that are coming up and are really good boxers. Right. Well, yeah. they, they're getting it on a national level, and that's why he was needing the vote to where he can. He he just wanted that vote, you know. Recognize right. Yeah. Well, and the thing about it is, like he said, he's providing leadership and especially yep. male leadership in an area that's needed but not only that you know a lot a lot of times kids doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in if you got too much time on your hands where you're not doing something constructive or productive yep. you get into some bad 
situation. He saw his own life. That's right. And and what it did to him by not having some kind of somebody to help him with direction. Right. And when he saw that, he just he, he joined with us and man the Lord and we went forward. So you said it before though, Dad, everybody's got something that you love or that you're good at. Everyone's good at something. Good at something. And and in his case, that's what it was. He figured that out. Yep. And once Jesus he submitted to him, now he's doing what he loves to do, but yep. he's doing it for God's glory and to help people. I mean, it's just it, that's what everybody has to figure out. Right? That's what the United States of America needs to implement. That's exactly right. Which would change everything. Let's take another break. So, Jace, we got a new sponsor that I'm excited about. It's called Relief Band. And do you, you get motion sick, right? You have motion sickness? I do. Well. Yeah, because I remember when we did that cruise that time. You were sick the whole week. I mean, it was just you were in misery. Something this, about not being able to see land. Yeah. And people say it's in your head. Nope, it's in my gut. Because <laughs> you get nauseated, right? Yeah, I've been on rivers and creeks my whole life. But if I can't see land... It's Problem. coming out, whatever. I well, mean. so we got a product for you then, Jace. Yeah, great. If, if you ever find yourself in this position again, uh, it's called Relief Band. It's the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband. So it goes on your wrist, which is really interesting because there's something in, there's a nerve in here that affects nausea that's in your wrist. I've seen before they apply topical meds sometimes to your wrist. So that's hmm. where it, it goes to your brain and it blocks this nausea that you get. So if you're going to take a road trip, if you got you know motion sickness in the car, which I get, uh, you need to try this product. I can't wait to try it myself. Go to reliefband.com. Use the promo code UNASHAMED. You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping and a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So you get to try it and make sure it works for you. Reliefband.com. Promo code UNASHAMED. 20% off. Free shipping. So, Jace, you've been you've been having some. Uh, I've been in Colorado for Colorado four or five days. So I had an event in where was that named? I thought my first joke went over. Just it was just a disaster <laughs> because it was your it, first thought. Tough crowd. Yeah. Well, it was Kremling, Colorado. Kremling. Kremling, and so I said, "Boy, when I first looked at the schedule, I thought I was going to Russia." You know, the Kremlin, <laughs> 1,500 people. Not even a... Nothing. Not even a nervous Not even, not a, even nervous a fake chort, chuckle. Not a no, nervous chortle even? I thought. <laughs> so how long did it take to loosen them up a little bit? Uh, after that, it was fine. These people were uh, were our kind of people. And what Missy did, she when she heard I was going up there, she was like, well, that's close to Vail. And, of course, you know, it's brutal in the summer down here in Louisiana yep. in July, August. So the next but, thing but I know, but it's not in Vail. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing I know, she and me and Karina and Cole, they're all coming. I was like, well, boy, this is awesome that they're supporting me, you know, cause they don't usually go to my events, you know, well, the night of the event, she was like, okay, the car people, you know, they're going to come pick us up cause we went trout fishing. I'll tell you about that. And, uh, and then she said, then we'll see you tonight. I was like, so, so. y'all are y'all not coming? I said, what? I thought you were supporting me. Vacation time, Jace. <laughs> and she's like, no, Bonnie, which is her aunt. She's like, your assistant's coming. I was like, well, why would she come when you're here? And she's like, well, her and Gary, her husband, 
they're coming. Uh. And I said, I think I'm starting to figure out that everybody's planned a vacation up here around this event. Yeah. And, and you're earning the money on the thing to pay for the whole thing. Yeah, that's basically what happened. But I'll tell you this. Welcome to my world, Dave. You know, when we were we had the, a really nice hotel, and and then the backyard of this hotel, you're looking up. I mean, we're in the Rocky Mountains here. It's beautiful, and it's cool. Like at night, I had, I was like, I got to go buy something with some sleeves. I mean, it was cold. I don't know if it was so cold as it was. And that's in July. Yeah. In July. Yeah. But you're oh, so they, they're get, so elevated. There was actually they get snow in like June. There. I was shocked that it got down to 72 last night in Louisiana. <laughs> I haven't seen that in years. I know it's been nice. Well, I was a little, I was a little concerned at first because, like, we're pulling in the hotel when we first got there, and there was a sign that says "When you encounter a bear," and I was like, "Here we go," <laughs> because the first thing there was leave, make sure to leave a path of escape for the bear. <laughs> I thought bears first. <laughs> Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> but when we left, so I, I go up to Kremlin, which is, I hope I'm saying that right, which was probably an hour away. They they had a, a day planned for us, and there was a conservationist who basically had taken thousands of acres and just had one of these. He, he loved the outdoors, and he's like, stand back and watch this. Yeah. And they every year they'll take like special needs kids trout fishing or wounded veterans or they have a day where they like introduce it it was like yuppie day but they didn't call it yuppie day i was like no what is that and there was like people who have never experienced outdoor so it, there's no guide service or anything but they asked him they're like well look we got jace up here he's gonna speak and and he's does a lot for that community he's like yeah y'all y'all take off down there and Catch all you want. So we're like, they called it world class trout fishing, and I, I looked at Missy and rolled my eyes. I thought, yeah, because we've, I've been on some world class, you know, fishing, and there was nothing world class about it. But we got out there, and the guy, you know, we got the fly rods and everything. It's me and the kids and Missy. Well, he's just letting out the line because I said, give them all a tutorial because I, I pretty well got the hang of it the last couple of years. I've done it a few times. I said, give them a tutorial how to do this. Well, that fly hit the water while he's showing them, here's how you do this. And it just, and he just, there he is. And he handed it to Missy. So Missy just bowed up on this thing. And I was like, well, that can't be a trout because it was just massive. I mean, the the rod was, rod was yeah, yeah, bent over. And she's trying to hoss it in. Pal breaks the line, you know. And I'm like, good grief, these, these must be some big trout. But I knew right then that we're just in the tutorial part, and he just got a fly in the water. We may be on to something here. It may be world class. And so I was like, here, let me, let me, let me just, I couldn't stand it then. So I was like, while you're teaching them, hand me my, where my ride? You know, I whipped that thing out there. As soon as I got out there, bump, caught about a, probably a six pound rainbow trout, wow. which is way bigger than any other trout I've ever caught. And so from that moment on, once we all got lined out, it was just a series of screams and hollers from the girls and between the deer flies and the, and the massive trout. And then about halfway into it, I, I catch right at a 16-pound rainbow trout. 
16 pounds. That's, right? a, that's a lot of trout. Good well, I, I know you're thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 16 pounds. This I'm going to show them this picture, <laughs> and then we can put this, since I took this picture, we'll put this on the screen. Y'all just turn them loose after you catch them? Yeah, we, I mean, well, I had to do the event after, so I didn't yeah. have anything yeah. to do with it. Right. Look at that thing. Look at that. It doesn't look real. It doesn't even look. Is that is that normal? I mean, is that? I well, mean, I asked him, I said, is this normal? And he's like, well, this guy has all this land. And you just imagine they do everything in their power to make sure they have a healthy yeah. trout It's population. like us and ducks, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Even is, though they're that free. Is a, that is a bull and a pretty little river, too. Oh, I know. Well, it's like a little oxbow river off of the Blue River. and uh, But he said, look. We, you know, they can go downstream, they can go upstream, and but if you just take care of a place and do everything you can do to have a healthy trout population, and you don't big. really fish it much, <laughs> you get this kind and of stuff. And you're putting them all back. So. Well, you got to remember, we saw moose while I was there. We oh, saw yeah. black bear, which I was a little nervous on that, but I was like, where's your weapon? I was like, all I got to Bible. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking at me like he's like i'd say go the you know run to the truck i thought okay that's the plan huh but you know they had deer everywhere well then i noticed one place i was like this looks ducky and about the time i said that because it was like a looked like a pond right beside the the river five mallards came out they were wintering there and i thought boy this boy here now he got he a game paradise he got it figured out yeah so that was fun. Missy was the only one that never actually landed a trout, but she either had her line broke or just lost them. Yeah. But every time it was a big trout, and like the the sixteen pounder I caught, it was probably a thirty minute fight. Yeah. Thirty minutes. Because if you bow up, you're gonna break something. You just yeah. gotta let them go. Yeah. I mean, when I when I because you don't really set the hook in the trout fishing, I just come back, but it was just dead weight, and. I was like, well, this can't be a, this can't be a trout. Right. It's too heavy. But that went on for three or four minutes. And then all of a sudden he just decided he's going to go 50 yards downstream in about four seconds. <laughs> so he pulled all my drag out and I'm now running, falling down, getting wet, <laughs> chasing him. And I thought there's no way right. this line's going to hold. Of course they had leaders. And when I saw the leaders, I thought, Pfft, what you got that for? They're not going to hit this because they're going to see it. Yeah. But I know why now because they they were like, we got some bulls. You're going yep. to yeah. need that. Yep. And the only reason I landed that fish is my net man just after 30 minutes, I'm exhausted. And I was like, just try to stab him with the net <laughs> on a flyby. And he just got lucky on the thing, barely would fit in the net. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just made a really good stab, stab yeah. and he – he got him in the net and got it fell back on the rocks, him and the fish in the net. I grabbed him, took a picture, and like, here you go. I was like, good work. <laughs> Let's take another break. What? So then we go to this, uh, what was the name of this restaurant? I wrote this down. We we went, when we got to Kremlin, we, uh, we went to this restaurant, and, and I had a first. It was called Dean's West, and they were like, oh, this is, this they've had it for how, I don't know how many years, you know, but it's where everybody gathers. When we pulled up there, there was a motorcycle gang there. And I was like, well, this is, what kind of place is this? And that was my first. 
<laughs> they were all coming out. <laughs> and so I looked, and this girl went, Jace, you know, a member of the motorcycle gang. I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a guy beside her. And I mean, think, uh, you know, the it made me think of the movies. Remember the Clint Eastwood when he was in the movies? The uh, Oh, the, uh, in, with every, the monkey. Any which way. Yeah, yeah with the any which way. Well, well, any which every, way but lose. And every which way you can, yeah. the second they were. You see those, Phil? No. Well, he's he you was never saw those movies. He was a he was a boxer, but he he was he well. Was, it was like street fight, street fight. He was yeah. a street. Fighter. He was a street fighter, and these motorcycle gang got after him, and he had a monkey named Clyde, and he'd say right turn, Clyde, and that that orangutan would put his fist out and just club somebody in the jaw. You Remember? never saw those movies, no. <laughs> They were funny. Dude, you need to watch those tonight <laughs> with Miss Kate. Yeah. They're hilarious. And all, look, remember when he said it was strip. all the old guys from the westerns were the motorcycle people. Huh. The old guy that had the squaw, you know, the innkeeper there, oh, he was yeah. in it. He was so like, my point is, when I saw the motorcycle gang, I have not watched that movie either one of those in twenty years. Yeah, it's been a long time. But when I saw them, I, that sound <laughs> went off in my ear. Nah, 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 nah. Because every time they show the motorcycle That's gang funny. on the movie, they play that. The best scene of those movies, by the way. And by the way, the leader of the motorcycle gang was the guy that was doing business with the Comancheros. Remember the old guy shot oh, yeah. him you know it, that oh, yeah. was the main guy on the motorcycle yeah guy. i got you <laughs> so uh but i was gonna say the best scene i, I like from those movies is when he said and because i don't know how they did this i've been on tv i know how it works but oh eastwood said clyde which was the monkey he said strip the caddy they had an old cadillac <laughs> cadillac there and that monkey walked over and just stripped the car <laughs> he was tearing off doors throwing his fenders <laughs> I'm like, now how do you fake that? <laughs> but I so I took the picture with the motorcycle gang. I brought up Jesus. I, it, but when I got to know him and meet him, it was like I was in that movie because yeah. they were all a bunch of goofballs, right? You know, it just it it seemed ironic. But and also, is, learned, it, is that one of the movies where he he got in the he got in the tractor trailer rig and then ran over all their motorcycles oh, in the yeah, parking lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's. I hope y'all watch it. It's good, clean fun. <laughs> it is pretty fun. <laughs> and uh, it was, yeah, it I was mean, Eastwood's attempt at humor. He did a couple. Of, I yes. love it. I did too. I, I, I mean, Sandra Locke. It's got redneck it? tendencies. It it was it kind of appeals to that crowd. But I think yuppies would find it interesting yeah. because Missy did. Yeah, I mean, from a distance. <laughs> but so I also learned something else in Colorado. When they say you want jalapenos on that. You know, around here we got the the jalapenos that have been jarred or whatever, and they got a little heat to them. But there, fresh. Every time I came across a jalapeno, it was searing heat, sweat pouring, <laughs> nose dripping. Like, what have I done? Because they only had three. I got this huge burger, and there was three little bitty slivers of jalapeno. Well, I just picked one up, put it in my mouth like an idiot. And it was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and I made the same mistake back at the hotel. They, I ordered some, you know, chicken wrap or something. She's like, you want jalapenos? I was like, yeah, because I wasn't thinking. Same, same reaction. So I thought that was interesting. So I get to the event here, Jesus. The thing I wanted to share. Did you um, ever say the motorcycle people knew you? Did, did, well, I, I had a Duck Dynasty shirt on. Oh, I looked okay. at, he's like, I said, 
this is weird. He's like, yeah. I said, did you know I was coming? And he's like, coming where? He didn't even know where he was. <laughs> I said, you have my shirt on. It was a picture of me. It was that one that said, if you don't know what you're doing, do it quickly yeah. or whatever. And so he looked down. He was like, will you sign this? <laughs> I said, yeah, I might as well. I mean, you're talking about random. Yeah. But I did, uh, I did the event. And for the first time in 30-something years about speaking about Jesus, I was reading my Bible on the way up there because I don't have notes or anything ever, but I always, it's like I have my walk-up music, my contemporary worship. I have the same system, and I just read the book of John. And I mean, that that's what excites me because I tend up. to be, you know, laid back. And But I left it in the car. And so I got to looking around for my Bible because I don't really read it because I'll quote it like you do when you speak at these events. It was an outdoor event, so you don't have time to say, hey, turn your Bibles over to... I mean, this was a festival, and we're out there on the side of a mountain. And so uh, I'm looking around. I was like, I cannot. I, I like panic. I don't have my Bible. But there was a guy standing there who was a volunteer, and he said, well, you can use mine. And I loved it because he... And number one, what, what do you have his Bible there for? I mean, he wasn't speaking. He was just a right. volunteer. And he carried like, his Bible. Yeah, I said, well, why do you have your Bible? He said, I don't leave home without this Bible. We pulled his Bible. It looked more worn than mine. I was like, perfect. And it was <laughs> the NIV. I didn't think that was possible. Let's take a rest break. Well, after the Russian joke bombed, <laughs> then I held that Bible up. And I said, for the first time, I actually don't have my Bible. I, I borrowed this, and I made a point that I said, do you realize the the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head that's better old or used than brand new is a Bible. Good point. A, a used Bible <clears throat> is way more valuable than a new Bible. Than, than a brand new one. That's right. So that line got a lot of, oh, we got I got some hallelujahs, and I thought, oh, well, okay. we got some believers out here. <laughs> So, so no there, more think, Russian jokes. Let's just, just go go all in. So there, uh, from then on, it went well. But so after it's over, I'm two hours away from back where I was staying. My family's abandoned me. You know, they're off somewhere. Who knows? And so these two guys are going to give me a ride back. And they said, "You, we're going to take you on the scenic route, which was a dirt road <laughs> down the mountain, which was crazy. Yeah. I mean, we actually stopped one time because I was like, I got to get a picture of this. And he's like, well, there's there's nine guys standing there where you take the picture. And uh, I said, what's that? What's that matter? He said, well, they're on the other side of the rail. I said, what does that matter? And he's like, well, they have to be drunk or high because you'll see it. So we pulled up there because we could see them on the other side of the rail. I'm telling you, I took a picture of it. There are thousands of, of feet above this and they're on the other side of the rail. I mean, one slip and they're just dead. So I got out. I said, you boys must believe in a resurrection. <laughs> of course, they all looked around at me, you know, like, who is this guy? One of them said, why do you say that? I said, you're on the other side of the rail. Said, yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of weird. I was like, well, you must not be scared to die. You're either high 
on Jesus or you're just high? That's <laughs> it. I think we're just high. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, well, if I were y'all, I would consider being high on Jesus. And that's where I let that go. My, the ride was like. There's a few that do lose their life on the edge of the cliffs up there. Yeah, why would you do that? I well, thought. you know, they're all about the selfie days. These people put themselves, then they die all the time in these you know, because it's a cool picture that they can post on their social media of yeah. them hanging off the side of a mountain. And, you know, all it takes is one one misstep and you're done. But that's how much they love taking selfies. I mean, but I wanted to tell you all this. So I we go down and the two guys that are taking, the guy driving was a butcher and uh, they were great guys. And so they don't really, we just talked about life. and about, I mean, they're obviously believers. I, I was thinking, how did they get, nominated to drive me back because i felt terrible they're driving two hours away and, and he basically butchers all their meat they kill in in the winter for the hunters but we got right close to the hotel and he said look he said i wanted to say something and he he, he kind of started getting choked up you know he said i just want to thank you and your dad and when you get back he said i want you to tell your dad and uh he said because the reason i volunteered to to give you a ride back back here he said i was a raging alcoholic for years and uh he said i was in a rehab somewhere mandatory he said but one of the other guys there he said gave me a copy of your dad's book and he said i read it in there and it led me to a relate pursuing god and he said i came to jesus he said i've been sober seven years but he said then i bought your book quickly thereafter and then he converted the other guy Huh. And so they were carrying me. So I thought, you know, a lot of times you don't think doing something like a book or right. whatever, because it's not really you. You know, you're you're giving God the the glory and right. reason that. So that was kind of a real touching, touching moment. Yeah, there. but you could see that that the fruit of it. Great story. Great story. Well, yeah, because he said, you know, one of the biggest things that led him to turn his life around. He said, when I read your book, I realized he had a son, and he's like, I'm. My behavior and my abuse of alcohol is affecting him, because because yeah. then he read it from my perspective, and it, which I never really made that connection, but uh, but he said I, of course, then when he got to Jesus, he's like, well, this this is this is awesome, yeah. you know. So it was a cool story. Yeah, and, and of course we got uh, speaking of books, Dad's got your daily feel, which is I guess in the background over here. Um, that uh, is in Walmart. You can still get that. And we got a new one coming out next year, Uncanceled, which is now almost completely finished. Really a good book. Um, Gordon helped us write it, our, my uncle. And it's really good. And then Mom, we're going to have Mom and Lisa on next week on the podcast. They've got one they're working on called Sister Roar. So we're going to have them tell about that. So we got well, a lot of good stuff in the queue. So this guy, he told me the greatest <laughs> cell phone story that I've ever heard. And I, I thought, I'm going to have to tell my dad this story. And he's like, yeah, I want you to tell your dad. Because he's like, I know your dad doesn't do cell phones. He said, so you tell him the, the boop, prank. Boop, 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 boop. He said, tell him the prank. He said, tell him, you know, I appreciate his book. Because that led me, you know, to the Lord. He said, but then tell him, tell him this cell phone. So this guy, of course, now he's trying to look kind of like Sammy, our guest. He's looking for young kids he can mentor or whatever and get take he takes them in outdoors and hunting and then he'll give him a job because he has a butcher shop so he said he hires this kid it's like 17 years old and he's like every time i turn around this kid's on cell phone and he's like it is just 
it's just making me angry. <laughs> and so, and he's like, the kid is always bragging about the girls he's meeting. And he said, I kept telling him, I mean, how do you even know that's who it is? It could yeah. be, you know, Samantha could be Sam from, <laughs> you know. And the kid's like, hey, hey, you do your thing, old guy, and making fun. So he said, you know, I, I just thought, I'm going to do something about this. And so he got a girl, the, the owner of the butcher shop, to, like, befriend this kid and get all his information. And so once he got the information, he sets up an account. He gets a picture of a about the same age girl, and he befriends him. <laughs> and look, he takes it hook, line, and sinker. They become an item. And he this guy telling me he's like, he's the worst girlfriend I ever had. <laughs> he said he's texting me at all hours at night. He's like, look, the only place he could get Wi-Fi at where they work is his house. He said he would go in, take off from work, and send me a message from my house. He said, look, I paid him one time. He cashes the check. Then he sends me a picture of himself without a shirt on with all his cash. <laughs> He said that I just gave him. <laughs> so he thought, you know what I was well, going to do? You talking about getting to know your employees at a whole new yeah. level. So there are items. So it comes up to where they're going to meet. He's going to meet the girl. He's telling all the employees and his boss. He's like, well, we're going to meet. Well, it's his boss that he's going <laughs> to meet. He said, my first thing to do, he said, I was going to call the police to just set up and then act like this was a 12 year old girl yeah. he's like but my wife said look we want to teach him but we don't want to yeah. send him into trauma here so what they decided to do is he said i'm just going to pull up in the in the truck with him because because yeah. he was so excited for everybody to meet the girl yeah <laughs> he said so they're sitting there and just, of course she don't show and then he's like man what's going on so he's like well let me text her whatever time he would send a text or whatever his boss's phone would go off <laughs> You know, he's yeah. he's thinking, and finally he looked over and he just held the phone up. And he said in that moment, he just he just turned like a ghost. I mean, he realized the whole time I have had a relationship <laughs> with my boss. He was he was at a delusion state. But you know what he said? He said it was the greatest thing that ever happened to him. It embarrassed him so much. He said he was never the same in, in a positive way. Humbled him. And he turned out, uh, he said now he's some kind of Air Force uh, leader in the Air Force or whatever. Yeah. It was a great story. And I thought, well, man, kudos to you for going through that. But they, they, We need to get some kind of faith-based group to do a TV show on that. That's right. Yep. It would be awesome. It would be great. And then the, and the life lessons that you get that come out of yeah, you know, because they find this stuff way too important. You know, this social no, media. Nothing is real. <laughs> it's all an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful who you're sending yep. love notes to. That's exactly yep. right. Maybe mm. your boss. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes, and don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.